15 hours is way too long to spend in a dumb dungeon like this. I don't care about the test anymore. I'm just gonna apparate. You are sleep deprived. We can't do that in here. Oh crap, here comes a goblin. And Fundo. Good thing this corridor is one way only, but it'll stop trying to go through a wall someday. Incendio! We're how many levels underground still? Got to be a way out somewhere. Maybe this guy knows. Luminous! Wait, I think this might be the evil wizard Birdman. I'm right in his way. Expelliarmus. Nope, that didn't do it. Gotta be something stronger. Reducto concrete. Even that wasn't enough. He'll kill us and reach the surface if we can't do this. Septum Sempura. I'll do it if no one else will. Obama Kedavra. Still nothing. What are we doing wrong? What the what? hell are you doing? Hydras, rip them apart. Man, if these wannabe wizards are the only things I have to deal with, I'll never have to break a sweat again. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Three, two, one! RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. RPG Backtrack number 81, a wizard did it. I am Mike Minky, and normally I would be joined by Phil Willis, but the evil calls of his job have summoned him to a destination far, far away from his home computer tonight, and thus he cannot be with us right now. Well, I understand he recorded a little something that we will be able to make use of through the magic of editing later on. We were going to talk about the entirety of the Baseline Wizard 3 series. However, as it turns out, most of us haven't played any of them. And the two games that we have actually played come at the very end of it. Fortunately, I, there are a couple people with me who know something about those last two games, which is more than I do. Becky Cunningham, welcome back! Welcome! RPG Backtrack would like to apologize to British people everywhere for the content of our skit. Hopefully we will find out how badly we did it by the feedback that British people leave for us, which will in fact tell us that British people do listen to us. That is always helpful. <laughs> and someone who has not been here for a long time, but we remember her well from the Might and Magic episode, Ev Lookadotter! Oi, Proto- I mean, uh, hi, how you doing? She, she is not a member of the RPG staff, stuff. but she is related to me. Therefore, this is nepotism. <laughs> well, she also happens to know a fair amount about RPGs. That always helps. Yeah. <laughs> At least the old ones. Yeah, the old ones. Well, considering we're on the backtrack, that's even more helpful. Yep. <laughs> all right. So I was going to have us try and do all of the Wizardry series, but since 
I would just get a resounding cricket chirp if I went through Wizardries 1 through 6 at the moment. Let's just skip all the way to Wizardry 7, Crusaders of the Dark Savant, released in 1992, and its remake, Wizardry Gold, which was released in 1996, Windows 95 enabled. Well, I can, I can say a few words about the series as a whole. Um, Wizardry was one of the earlier um, classic RPGs to come out. Uh, the first few of them were extremely um, very primitive looking. Um, but they did actually lay the groundwork for many of the RPGs that were to follow. Um, they were hugely impactful on the entire industry, not just here in North America, but also in Japan. Um, the Wizardry series, the first few games, are widely credited with um, inspiring things like Final Fantasy, um, which is why the JRPG industry has um, a lot of the same sort of um, character classes as, say, Dungeons and Dragons, because they played Wizardry and were like, this is awesome, and then did their own sort of twists on it. So that's well, kind of cool. I certainly noticed that the Japanese RPG market seems to be the only place left in the world that likes to make new first-person dungeon crawlers. And Which, Wizardry, did, Wizardry did not start out as first-person, but it did move into that direction. And apparently the Japanese have developed more spin-off Wizardry titles than there actually were original series Wizardry titles by now. Yes, although they're nothing like the later Wizardry games. Well, we, we kind of assume that. Just take the name and do something with it anyway. Although they are still dungeon crawlers, so that's kind of cool. Anyway, so that's just sort of a... I, I think it's it's good to talk about the Wizardry series, even though some of the earlier ones are not anything that anyone would play anymore, because it is really important for the RPG industry as a whole. Um, established a lot of those sort of things that, that we come to know as RPGs, the leveling up system, dungeon crawling, and all that stuff. Well, if Wikipedia can be trusted, Wizardry 4 is among, if not the most difficult RPG ever made. Uh, obviously, we can't speak to that since none of us have played it, but it's out there. Yeah, I think uh, we had an Apple 2 for a long time, and Wizardries did not come out on the Apples, so we did not play them yes. until later when we had PCs. That is correct. I mean, if you wanted to play Bubble Bobble, you were all set, but you were kind of limited otherwise. With apples? Yeah. Hey, I played I played the Bard's Tale. That was my first RPG. It was for the Apple II GS. Oh, that's true. And we did play the King's Quest series on that thing, too, didn't we? Not RPGs, but yes. And Dungeon Keeper. Don't forget Dungeon Keeper. Oh, who can forget Worm Rounds? <laughs> Anyway. Well, if you also played Oregon Trail, then that's the only thing I ever played on an Apple. <laughs> of course we played Oregon Trail. Who didn't? I played Oregon Trail. <laughs> well, I, I blame my, my... my... husband says I haven't. That's because you played Canada Truckers or whatever the heck the Canadian version <laughs> was. Isn't there exactly one road that goes all the way across Canada with no branches? What'd you say? Oh, oh! I'm sorry. Kyle played a fur trading um, version of Oregon Trail because it was Canada. <laughs> Did you sing French fur trading songs while you were playing it? Would you like to float? The <laughs> My husband the grew up in Canada and does not know any French fur trading songs. Well, I'm disillusioned. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. The, so... instant a, the instant a person from Quebec hears this, I think that will be forced to change. <laughs> um, so Wizardry 7, if we're going to talk about Wizardry 7, um, sort of came after the first sort of modern-ish Wizardry game, which was Wizardry 6, um, Bane of the Cosmic Forge. Um, that sort of brought the series into what we would kind of recognize as looking like modern RPGs. Um, although it was, I believe, still in EGA graphics. Um, and Wizardry 7, I believe, had VGA graphics. So, ooh. It was 256 colors, baby. And they did a lot of good work with what they had to work with. I have to say, the graphics were very good for the time. Yeah, they were really impressive for the time. have to admit, they were better than the Might and Magic counterpart graphics. <laughs> Which Ultima were we up to in 92? Eight? No, no, seven, I think. Yeah, seven was in 92. Although... I don't remember. Like, yeah, okay, I got my, that's right, I got my IBM computer in 1990, so I, I would have played the original, yeah, we played the original Wizardry 7, and then I guess Ev got to play Wizardry 7 Gold. Yeah, you bought it for me for Christmas one year. Yep, and, um, and that at that time, I, at that time I was, I was having my college-induced um, drought of role-playing games because I wanted to, you know, pass. yeah. Yeah, Wizardry Gold had a voice saying things like, You enter the courtyard and hear a spooky sound. Before you is a trickling fountain. And you couldn't skip it, so you had to listen to it every single time. <laughs> so, so it had a mandatory to... DM? That's kind of awesome. Yes. <laughs> that was pretty much the difference. And that you could play it on a, you know, Windows 95, which was a pretty big deal. But uh, <laughs> The epitome of a modern operating system. Yes. Well, Wizardry uh, 7 was tile-based. All of your movements were tile-based, and all of the graphics were tile-based except for the little animated sprites that you got for enemies. And um, so if you had mountains, they were very square. They made them <laughs> very odd-looking, like really alien melty, but they were still sort of cubes, um, and they only went so high up. Yeah. So they had to make up for it with narration, like, you look over the edge and see a thousand feet below the forest floor. And actually, you know, it's one tile below, but, you know, you'd have to learn how to climb, and you'd have to find a rope to climb down the mountains and the like. So it, they added with narration what they couldn't make up for with engine. Enemies, when they appeared, they were often random encounters or, or totally unexpected. You couldn't see them down the road or anything like that. You're just walking around listening to the lovely sounds of the forest, like, doo -doo -doo -doo, and wah, wah. That, was, that was, I think, bullfrogs or something, I'm not sure, but every once in a while you'd hear wah. So it was very peaceful, and you'd be walking along, and suddenly you hear, and giant, like, Foots would come sliding in from the side like they were flash dancing or something. They'd just slide in from either side. And then you'd have these giant green walking octopus things with like with like round Muppet mouths and they could shoot something at you. They'd make noise at you. And then combat was sort of round and initiate and initiative based, so You'd have a round, and, and uh, depending on speed and who rolled for initiative, 
properly. You'd, you'd get to go in different orders, and you'd select whether you wanted to stab something or throw something or use an item or parry, or if you were a spellcaster, cast a spell. And the three guys in the front of your party took most of the direct damage, and they could hit with short-range weapons, and the three guys in the back of your party could cast spells and throw stuff, and they took less damage, which was great when you had, like, a 12-inch tall party member like the fairies. Yep. Um, so basically, the game um, was in first person, except it was it had, you know, a little window like the old games did. Am I echoing again? No. Okay, okay. just checking, because I'm echoing to myself, but... Um, and yeah, you would move around in a grid-based system, like they're saying. Um, you had a party of um, six, was it? Yes, six. Yeah, six um, that you would create from various colorful races. They had lots of different races, like um, they had a dragon-type race. They had oh, races that looked sort of like um, like Chewbacca. The Mook. The Mook. That's what they were. Yes, the they mook. were sort of like they were sort of like the uh, martial artist types. Yes. Now I know you're not much of a Star Wars fan, Becky. Otherwise, you'd remember the Wookiee. Huh? Oh, the Wookiee, Chewbacca yeah. was a Wookiee. Yes, I I know Chewbacca's a Wookiee. It's just Chewbacca okay. came to my mind first. Okay. But yes, I'm not much of a Star Wars fan. That's um, why you weren't there for Knights of the Old Republic back in the spring. Yeah. No, Ev, Ev and I... Yeah, we, I played... Uh, oh, yeah, no. Sorry, I played uh, the, the MMO, but that was mostly because my husband wanted to. But yeah, no, yeah. Ev and I were... were um, Inducted into the the um, fellowship of the Trekkies when we were kids. So yes, yes, there there were also the Rawuf, which were um, dog people, Felper, which were cat people. They were humans, but who bothered with those when you could play a, a draken, which was the the dragon people? They're half human, half dragons. Actually, I don't want to think about how that happened. Um, <laughs> You also had, like, humans, elves, dwarves, gnomes, hobbits. Uh, you had fairy, which were very tiny. You had yes, lizard and a men. Very, well, a very, a very special element of um, the fairies where every race was sort of um, better suited to certain jobs. Um, but if you made a fairy ninja, which normally you would be really dumb to do, um, there was an item called the Cone of Corpus, I think. Cane of Corpus. Cane, the Cane of Corpus, right. And it would turn your fairy ninja into a walking god. Yes. So, so one of the sort of legends of the wizardry series. Is, Ooh, I'm going to make a fairy ninja and go get the Cane of Corpus. I'd say it's more of a fluttering god, because they could they could fly. Yes. Um, and there were also a number of interesting different classes, including... One, the Valkyrie that you could only play if you were female. Yeah, I always had a dragon, dragon Valkyrie. Oh yeah, me too. The the dragon could shoot um, acid, I believe it was. They had like acid breath or something. Yeah, it was very useful in the early levels. Yeah, when you ran out of spell points or whatever, you could always breathe on things. Yep. And they had uh, psionics. I usually would have like a mook psionic. I don't remember yeah, why. Yeah. Priests, mages. I think they were they were good at psionics. Yes, priests, mages, alchemists, um, bishops could cast both priest and mage spells. You had the most important class, the bard. <laughs> yes, they did have bards. That's correct. 
They were just as useless as bards usually are, which is why I always had to have one in my party. You like making a challenge for yourself? I I always play bards if I can because it's funny. Did they did they sing and hurt the enemies that way? Yes. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. <laughs> and they also had, you know, half-hearted thief skills, but that's no good because they can't get the better thief skills, so you need a thief anyway. Yeah. And I would always have a like a hobbit thief in the back of my party that would shoot uh um slingshots at people. That was kinda <laughs> useless except when you need the thief skills. Oh boy, I found more rocks. <laughs> Yeah, I try, you did have to find... Uh, it was limited ammo for the um, ranged weapons, wasn't it? Yes, yes it was. <laughs> the good old old school, once upon a time when arrows did not magic... Or when bows did not magically summon an infinite supply of arrows. Yes, well, and, and fairies could basically carry, like, a wand or a dagger or maybe throwing stars if they were a ninja, and that was pretty much it. Yeah, there were every character had a weight limit. <laughs> yeah, fairies could carry, you know, a coin and maybe yep. an acorn if they were particularly husky. <laughs> That's why you always had a dragon and a mook because they were sort of your pack mules too. Oh yes, so there were um, a number of your usual statistics like uh, strength, intelligence, piety which means how, how many spell points you have, vitality, speed, which, you know, is initiative and how many attacks you have and stuff like that, uh, dexterity, and uh, personality, which is important when you're dealing with NPCs because if everybody's got a low personality, everyone's going to hate you. So you won't have at least one person who's got a really high personality and you make sure you always have them talk to, talk to people. And karma, which sometimes it's good to have a mix, because low karma, if you're trying to deal with, say, the Ratkin, which are kind of the mafia, Yakuza of, of the world, uh, then you want somebody with low karma, because then they'll like them a lot better. And if you want to deal with, uh, oh, the, the, the monk race. What was the monk race called? I don't remember. Uh, I can, I can, oh, the monk. Right. Oh, <laughs> the monk, M-U-N-K, right. I've yes, seen it here monk, on Wikipedia. Yes. Uh, then, then you want high karma. Um, the game was kind of like the Mind Magic series, one that combined um, fantasy and science fiction. Yep. And your party was all pretty much low-tech people who were very mystified. In fact, I just found out today... Uh, what the meaning of a very odd random sequence was in the game where you walk through a field of poppies and you pass out but before you pass out you see a giant whale flying through the sky and I, I never figured out what the heck that was supposed to be about but it was actually a spaceship but oh it, and it just said it was a whale because you thought it was a whale yes because the party were you know hicks from the sticks and didn't know what a spaceship was <laughs> So the basic story of this game is there was this super powerful wizard way back in the day named Funzang because <laughs> because early RPGs liked really ridiculous names. Was he was he in Wizardry Six? 
Um, I think he is a recurring character throughout the series, yes. Okay. Um, well, any, any game that uses the reversal of the name Andrew for its villain is definitely playing with some interesting rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Funzang um, discovered a crazy magical artifact um, called the Astral Domine, and he basically, using this artifact, he get the power of a god um, and realized that it might be not a good thing if other people got a hold of this and did shoddy um, things with it. So he created a world with his godlike powers um, called Guardia to safeguard the Astral Domine so that nobody else could use it for evil, except for... Due to events in Wizardry 6, um, the world of Guardia is no longer hidden, and so all of the um, universe's various factions have come together to try to track the thing down. Um, and uh, this is where Wizardry was, was very much ahead of its time in many ways. Um, in the game, you had several um, NPC races that you could try to work with, and they didn't like each other very much. And rather than the modern thing of where you had to like grind up faction with the various factions. No, you just talked to them <laughs> and decided whether to help them or not. Um, so the, the two big um, factions that you deal with most of the time were the Umpani, which are basically crossed between elephants and rhino and rhinoceroses. And they're like basically the lawful good race of the galaxy. Um, and they, they're like big military dudes. They sort um, of this, this British Empire thing going on a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, and the T-Rang, who are a race of spiders, and naturally they're not nearly as lawful or good. Um, and yeah, they're creepy little spider snake dudes. Yeah, yeah. So the, Wait, the wait not just the... spiders, spider snakes? Kind of, yeah. They're, yeah. They're creepy. Yeah. They're, do, they're they're... do they have as any skunk characteristics, too? <laughs> no. They are they are ruled by a queen, so they are primarily insectoid, I believe. Um, yes. But they, uh, yeah. Oh, and they all have um, electrified staves. Thank you, Wikipedia. I just remembered that they all held these staves and they smack you with them. So you could decide the Umpani and the Tirang naturally hate each other. Um, so you generally cannot. You can if you're really good, you can work with both of them against each other. But most of the time, you'll probably want to side with one or the other. Yeah, and and sometimes you'd have these random encounters with with NPCs. Like there'd be some. I remember there was some Tirang guy that would wander around, and you'd run into him. And if you'd really piss the Tirang off, he would attack you, and that was not a fun fight, especially if you were not really really high level. Yeah, the game was actually also ahead of its time in that it was largely open world. There were areas yeah. that were sort of closed off to you if you didn't have the right skills or information, but you could kind of, like, basically you get there and it's like, okay, you're on Guardia, have fun! <laughs> you, <can> wander, <laughs> you have to wander off and figure out what to do, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's a few other races we mentioned. The monks, they look like humans, but they're all good at martial arts. Um, there's some blue-skinned dudes called the Dane. I don't remember. Do you remember the Dane at all? I vaguely yeah, remember. they were they were hedonists, basically. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, and and they they were they were not very cool. I mean, I guess 
they were cool when you're like 13, but they were kind of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> As many hedonists are, yes. Yeah. Apparently the Dane did not like the monks. So, yeah, yeah, they had this whole, you're a blasphemer, no, you're a blasphemer, let's kill each other thing that we never see in real life. No, never. Never. Um, and then there were some basically orcs called the Gorn. And yes. there were the Ratkin, the little ratty guys that are all thieves and stuff. And then the Helizoid, which you run into later on in the game, or a race of blonde chicks that ride in funky um, hovercraft. Yeah, they were very, they were very late eighties, early nineties yes. beings, and yes. they, <laughs> they they all had fear of. Does that mean hair. they were full of tood? Yes, no. tood and and bikinis. Oh yeah. Ah uh, yes. And lots of TNA, and they would laugh and fly around and zot you if if you know you <laughs> ran like into them. some that weren't very friendly. <laughs> You'd just be walking along, and then suddenly they'd laugh and moan at you and you know you were in a lot of trouble and the monsters were some of them were pretty creative you know of course nobody liked running into the creeping creds because they gave you diseases they looked like giant mean snot piles that would come sliding in from the screen and uh there were beetles of course there were there was some sort of like centaur tiger but instead of being like a human tiger hybrid they were like a tiger on top of a tiger kind of thing. Do you remember those things? Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> <laughs> they were like a tiger, except if it were built like a centaur, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah so like, you know. Uh, the, so it had two of... heads? Did they? They might have. I don't remember. I don't remember. They. I remember they were crazy looking. And there were um, lots of black birds that wandered around. And, of course, you had to fight various beings um, from all of those races that we mentioned above. And uh, there were... I never finished this game. Apparently, there were some pretty fantastic things when you went out into the ocean and stuff. And there were, like, dragon pups and things like that. But it was such a long, involved game. It had a lot of puzzles. And many, you many had puzzles. to really... Many, many people would get stuck in the Ratkin ruins, which were not too far into the game. And never oh, that, that, cl that clown face with the needle. You had to go some other completely different part of the world and find a red ball. And I think you had to stick the red ball and where the nose was, you know, which was a, a, a needle. So this was definitely a game for people who spent their allowance money on one game a year. Which yeah. is great for us because that's exactly how we were in the early 90s. Yes. Yes, and... and You'd get caught in traps, and you'd get betrayed, and there were all kinds of weird things. You remember that inner sanctum that you had to go into? Where? Uh, I think it was in the Dane Tower, but I'm not totally sure. You got farther in the game than I did. Uh, did I? Yeah, because I, 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 I was in high school, and you were a little younger, so you had more time. Yeah, I remember climbing the mountains and you know, biting my fingernails every time because... Sometimes you'd fall. <laughs> and that was no good. Yeah, and, have, like, and when you fell, we're talking how long to get back where you were? Pardon, what were you saying? If you fell, that means how long you had to walk to get back where you were? Well, 
sometimes you would just all die, like if you were off the thousand foot one tile cliff. But... Oh, that's even better. Yeah, yeah, but sometimes it, you know you'd find yourself someplace that you really couldn't handle. And now, there's no restriction on saving, right? You can save wherever you want. Yes, yeah, you can you can save wherever you and, want. And you were you were well advised to do so. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely and... sounding that way. If I can fall off a cliff and die at any moment, <laughs> that's, that was 1992. <laughs> that was what games were like. Oh yeah, it was not easy mode back then, and <laughs> it, you couldn't even climb up and down the mountains until you had a rope. Yep. I think I I think I stopped playing about the time I got the rope and started falling off the mountains. Actually, <laughs> I was like, "This is bullshit. I'm gonna go do my homework." <laughs> But, uh, yeah, that first city that you go into, it's it's so creepy, and you're wandering around hearing, you know, ding, ding, ding. and you're thinking, where where's that wind chime? I'm always hearing this wind chime, but I never see it. And then you find, uh, I think, a hatch, and you go down it, and, and the dungeons had some really creepy sound effects. You'd, like, you'd hear something skittering, and you'd think, what, what is that? What is that? And, and yeah. Walk like four tiles ahead, really cautiously, and then you take another step, and it'd be da 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 da, da. and uh, you might have like eight creeping crud things, and and you might or might not survive. And you can see like one tile ahead of you, there's a fountain that you can drink and sort of heal from in some fashion, but you can't get there because of all those cruds. So you have to save a lot. Because sometimes you just you know, roll the die and get a, an encounter that you couldn't possibly survive. And, oh, and sometimes uh, mobs would, monsters would run away. Sometimes uh, one of your party members would lose courage. Or you could you could try to run. Remember that, Becky? You could try to run. And sometimes you'd it's all make it. not usually a good idea. <laughs> yeah, usually a couple people <laughs> die trying to run away. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, you're running? Okay, we're going to hit you with lots of spells now. Yes. <laughs> yes, you are definitely describing a game that is not in easy mode. No. <laughs> but it was like, that was what, what it was like. It was like the, the great unknown. It was it was really fun because you, were, you, know, you never knew what was going to happen next. And finding treasure was like really cool. And you were you were really engrossed in it, and you couldn't just go on Google and find out how to solve things or how to get through things or what would happen if you made a certain decision. Oh, and I you totally think... had a universal hint file that had maps in it, though. Oh, did you? Oh, I totally did. I don't think you showed me that. <laughs> I probably didn't. Because <laughs> I, I would be out of your hair while I was playing it. Exactly. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Very good, sister son. Very good. <laughs> I was 16 and cranky. What do you want? Oh, yeah, you were. Was that around <laughs> the time I threw a chair at you? I don't remember. Anyway. No, we were much younger when you threw a chair at me. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, that's right. So, I really loved that game. And, you know, I'm inspired. I think I'm going to try to install it and play it again. But... This this game, I, you know, since you didn't know what you were doing or what was going to happen, it was hundreds of hours of play. It really was. 
Maybe well, Becky, did, Becky did just say this is the game for those who can't afford any other games that year, right? Yep, pretty much. They can't in some ways make them any more like this because people have too many other games to play. Yeah, but the story was so in-depth and, and weird. It had a sense of humor about itself that, that a lot of games these days don't. We focus so much on graphics and voice acting and special effects and the like that a lot of modern RPGs are really missing out on in-depth stories and things that make you really think and and situations well, where... Well, one thing that my quick little wiki check of the series turned up is that these games were taken much more seriously in Japan where most of the little in-jokes and cultural references they're supposed to be taken humorously, they don't get in Japan. <laughs> Are there any moments like that in Wizardry 7 that somebody in Japan just wouldn't get? Well, probably most there of the of... joke names. <laughs> yeah. There are a lot of moments I didn't get because I was too young, but... Yeah, I don't know. It, was, like, it, it wasn't like um, reference humor or anything, really. It was just silliness, a lot of it. Yes. Well, or, the, or, the weird, reference... or weird things like thinking you saw a whale in the sky and realizing that it was actually a spaceship. Like, we didn't even get <laughs> yeah. that, much less the Japanese. The reference uh, Wiki gave me is that there was, in one of the games, uh, a cult of the Cuisinart, which nobody <laughs> in Japan would get. No. They just they just took it seriously. Oh, Cuisinart, this must be a great thing. All right, all right, we worship the Cuisinart in this game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I remember that leveling up in in this game was really exciting, and you you, you had to choose which um, which school of magic, for example, if you were a caster, you would put points in, and different schools of magic, depending on your class and your stats, you could get more or less points in. If you could if you could get enough points, you could get the really cool spells, and uh, so when you finish a fight. And you leveled up, it would take you into the into the character screen, and you'd look at the little little candle, and and it was a, it was a big deal, and you had to really think about it. But you could change classes in this game. Yep. If if at a certain point you decided you wanted to be a different class, and uh, then you'd have to start again from level one, but you'd level up pretty quickly since the rest of your party was getting some pretty big experience points coming in. And you could you could kind of. I think you could keep some of the skills that you had from your last class, too, couldn't you? I think, yeah, I think some of the classes were not originally available. Um, I'm not yeah. sure about that. I think maybe some of the ones like the Lord had to be, you had to level up another class for a bit first. Yeah, some, yes. of, the, some of the multiple Oh, oh you classes. played this? I didn't even know my husband played Wizardry. Sounds <laughs> like there might be a family discussion tonight. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll never get my husband on the podcast. He's too shy. <laughs> uh, we've tried in the past. If it hasn't worked then, it's not going to work now. Oh, there, there's Kyle's contribution to the conversation. Wizardry was awesome with a hex editor. Oh, yeah. Okay. So you could change your character portraits, too. Uh, if, you knew, if you knew where the files were saved. So you could put whatever you wanted in those character portraits. I seem to recall when I had Wizardry Gold going in and, like, photo not Photoshopping, MS Painting, or whatever the heck I had way back then. 
and making my fairies extra rainbow <laughs> or something because I it. extra rainbow. And the last time I tried to replay it, I think instead of using a Felper portrait, I put my cat in. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the characters was my cat. Nice. But it was uh, it was a, a really fun, really involved game, and and I loved it, even though I never finished it. I, I don't think very many people did finish it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're looking at how long to complete this thing if you tried to rush. <laughs> I don't even know. It's many, many hours. <clears throat> Many hours. So many hours. Well, at least you got your money's worth. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. So, um, do you have anything to add about the game, Thief? I think we've covered most of it. Most of it. Well, there well, is the plot. Well, yeah, I, I talked a little bit about the plot. You're trying, everyone's trying to get the Astral Domine. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Well, that's that's pretty much it. And the thing about this this game, though, just like Wizardry 6, apparently, is that uh, your choices affect the end of the game. And in fact, if you played Wizardry 6, uh, you could import your uh, save games from Wizardry 6, and you could start with any um, any of, of three different uh, beginnings, depending on how you ended 6. Or if you're starting new characters, there's a fourth uh, beginning where it's basically, hey, you got curious and now you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, and I'm not, not sure. I think the ending, there might be a different options for the ending, but I'm not yeah, sure. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure once you actually find the Astral Domine, you get to decide what you're going to do with it. Um, but I don't whether you I don't think that you actually got different beginnings in Wizardry Eight. I could be wrong. I'm not I'm not sure. Actually. Because well I can I can click on this. But you could export your save game eight from okay, Wizardry Seven too. I don't know. Maybe Wikipedia will tell us. Since we never finished Wizardry Seven, we obviously couldn't get a different beginning in Wizardry 8. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah, that's that's something Kyle reminded me of. In Wizardry 7, um, sometimes NPC adventuring parties will get to things before you did do if you're too slow. Oh, yeah. That's true. They could. I was always paranoid about that. Yeah. Ooh, that would that would just piss off the completionists everywhere. I bet. <clears throat> yes, and I've always been a bit of a completionist, so. Uh oh. Okay, yeah, Wizardry Eight does have multiple beginnings too, depending okay. on your save game or whether you're starting new. Which is which is five. Pretty, there are five of them. Yeah, which is pretty impressive <laughs> considering that Wizardry Eight came out in two thousand one. And Wizardry yeah. 7 was made in 1992. Wizardry Gold in 96. So, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty big gap. Yep. 
Well, that was the the late '90s work when a lot of those old um, RPG companies kind of imploded, and we're having trouble yeah, getting yeah. any, any uh, anything published and stuff like that. I find it hilarious that Wizardry Seven Soft ports the PlayStation and Saturn in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how fully they were translated, but they were on those sub consoles and never came across the ocean again. Well, because I don't think they would have worked so well on the Super Nintendo. <laughs> Maybe so. I can't imagine why. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and let's see, I'm supposed to do what Phil does, so if you want the original version, the 1992 cut of Wizardry 7, eh, somewhere around 30 bucks should nail it for you, complete in the box on eBay. If you want gold, Somewhere around the same price on eBay. Who the heck keeps this stuff so long? <clears throat> Diehard collectors. Apparently. The, the ones who have 50 shelves in the back of the garage dedicated to nothing but the games. I wish I could do that, but I can't. <laughs> uh, they have wizardry up for download on, on, uh, on some of the abandoned wear sites, too. The, the uh, number seven. Yeah, no, this is the Wizardry series is one of the um, few old series now that it's not up for sale on Steam or GOG or anything like that because I forget who owns the rights to them right now. I think Interplay had the rights for a while, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that's what Interplay is working on. <laughs> New Wizardry. <laughs> Interplay still exists. Yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> they they resurrected Black Isle. We don't know what they're doing with it, but they resurrected Black Isle. Do you, do you think any modern game companies could create a game like these old games nowadays? And could they could they achieve the same feel and meet the expectations of modern gamers? It's it, I don't know. Um, I mean, there there'd have to be the problem is when when you try to. Um, no, Class of Heroes is really not like this game at all, actually. <laughs> uh, our, our, our recorder is uh, saying things here. Um, <laughs> but uh, you, the problem with trying to make things like they used to in the old days is that you don't really want to make things like they used to in the old days because some of the more archaic things, <clears throat> you know, like... it. Yeah, has either of you played the Dark Spire? Can you compare it with... A wizardry game? No, it looked really bad, so I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the the problem with the like a lot of the modern um, dungeon crawlers are usually pretty story light, and also usually pretty puzzle light. And like the, the these old dungeon crawlers, especially wizardry and some other game, um, and and even to a certain extent might and magic, but most but wizardry more more so. There was a lot more character interaction in them. Um, yeah, Might and Magic wasn't really heavy on plot, to be honest. Now, Might and Magic wasn't heavy on plot, but it did have a lot of puzzles. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Wizardry had even more puzzles and more difficult puzzles. Um, and Wizardry had a whole lot of character interaction and a lot of stuff that modern RPGs have made actually simpler than Wizardry used to in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, plot yeah, intrigue and decisions instead of cutscenes. Yeah. 
And, and you know, I'm okay with cutscenes um, if they don't take over the whole game. But yeah, the problem is I think that it's it's financially not so viable to do games quite the same way as they used to because everybody wants everything to be voice acted and all that stuff now and everybody's doing like motion capture and things like that <laughs> yeah yeah and if you want games like this you have to go to the handhelds pretty much or the <clears throat> the downloadable market the big now, games just don't get it anymore now a few of the the wizardry old wizardry folks like brenda braithwaite um are doing a Kickstarter right now for a game that they have simply called Old School RPG. Um, they made the un- yeah they made the unfortunate choice of putting out their Kickstarter at the same time as Obsidian was putting out their Kickstarter. <laughs> so uh, last I checked, Old School RPG did not have much in the way of pledges, um, which is too bad. But they also didn't really do a good job of explaining what it would be. And unfortunately, here especially here in North America, a lot of people don't no wizardry so they don't really know what these folks can do well on that wonderful note yes yeah i guess we're ready to talk about wizardry 8 now eh all right let me give it the quick rundown released by surtech software developed by the same came out november 15th 2001 for windows Possibly Windows 2000. I I will not make a guarantee there. And beyond that, take her away. All right. So there were multiple beginnings. I am now looking at Wikipedia and Wizardry 8. Wizardry 8 looked very different from uh, Wizardry 7 because it came out in 2001. Um, so it was actually 3D and you could actually see all the monsters on the map. Um, mm-hmm. And you'd wander around and see the enemies from very far away. Um, you This allowed them to throw lots and lots of groups, giant groups of enemies at you. Um, the basic setup was the same. You still had the same, like, six or six to eight party members. I think there might have been occasional um, guests in this one, too, in your party. Yes. Um, but you you didn't have to move on a grid anymore, and you could see everything in your environment, so that was kind of cool. Um, there were the various... Be- were good for those ones. Yeah, they, were, they weren't bad. Um, they, in fact, I believe a lot of people's computers had a hard time handling them. Yes. Um, they, uh, I never finished Wizardry 8 because I'm not sure if my computer was choking on the battles or if it was just they were pretty slow, especially because they would throw like 15 to 25 enemies at you sometimes. And you would have to, it was sort of, was the battle, it was sort of, I guess it was sort of real time with pause-ish. Uh-huh. You don't know? It was either real time with pause or or it was still turn based. I don't remember which. I, I think, think it, was... it might have been turn based. Yeah. But once you went into battle mode, I think you had to click yourself over into battle mode. Yeah, that's what it was. But... Yeah, it was real time until you got into battle. It was like magic, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay, I want to share something really quick. The best thing about the game for me was this guy. Sure. I'm itching to do something wild and reckless anyway. That was the sarcastic voice. It was uh, 
voice two of the loner personality type. And he was the comic relief if you if you selected that voice. Because uh, they had some voice acting in this one, and all of the party members could speak. And randomly would, and sometimes they would even converse with each other a little bit. So that was a, an interesting little addition that they, that they put in there that added a bit of depth to it. And a bit of humor as well, a little spontaneity. Yeah, so that was, again, a little bit ahead of its time. Yes. Um, but yeah, what I heard so, there definitely sounded entertaining, which is more than you can say for a lot of video game voice acting. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it, it, they they weren't yet hiring Susan Sarandon to do voices in the games at that point. Um, <laughs> but it also sounds like they didn't hire the janitorial staff. Yeah. So. No. So that's always good. Um, the makers yeah. of Oblivion could have taken a page from that book. <laughs> So Wizardry 8 had different beginnings um, based on the choices that you made in um, Wizardry 7, including things like the Umpani path if you sided with, sided with the giant rhinos, the T-Rang path if you were a bastard, and the yep. girl path <laughs> if you... If you um, there was a character named V. Domina who was um, theoretically a descendant of... The only the non-blonde. Greatest... Yeah, the only non-plot. She was theoretically a descendant of the great and mighty Funzang. Um, and she was <laughs> an actual, like, decent female character for a change. Which is something that many developers still have trouble with. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although you do have to rescue her. But, you know. Yeah, she's all beat <sighs> up and torn and on a hump on, in, a, in a lump on the ground in the end of Wizardry uh, 7. If you're taking that particular path. But she is actually a fairly powerful warrior. Mm-hmm. Just not against um, the Dark Savant. Who yeah. you find out. Can, can we get spoilers on here? Yeah, we always do. Yes, we can. Use as you many spoilers out. as you can. You find out at the end of Wizardry 8 that... The Dark Savant is, in fact, Funzang. <gasps> so that means he beat the crap out of his own daughter. That's not very nice. the last game. And I think ripped her eyeball out. That's really not very nice. Oh, that's why she had a patch. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she had some sort of mutation. I think maybe the, I don't know, was the orb her eyeball? I don't know. I, I, I but, thought she had an eye patch. I'm pretty sure she had an eye patch. She had an eye patch. Yeah. She had some sort of mutation. Uh, um, but yeah, he ripped her eye out and stuff. Not a very nice dad. Not really a candidate for take your daughter to work day either. I'd have to well, say. Well, he did take his daughter to work. <laughs> no, not, not unless he takes her to a plastic surgeon, and even then, that's not much of an apology. Yeah, so in Wizardry 7, the Dark Savant is sort of this mysterious figure, and he doesn't really like get involved in the game until later on. Um, in Wizardry 8, you land on a planet, I think in many of the paths you crash land on a planet, where he's basically taken over. So, shit gets real. Yeah. And I think you can have a robot party. But I'm not. <laughs> shit gets real, and I think you can have a robot arm. Okie dokie. <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, the, so this this new the world of Dominus. Where is you this are some now. new is this some new hip hop phrase that I don't know yet? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the world of Dominus, where you are now. Um, the Dark Savant has taken over the main city called um, Arnica. Um, and so like Antarctica, but without an ant. No, Arnica. Oh, okay. Um, That's not as much or fun. Ar- or Arnica, I don't remember. <laughs> so um, immediately, like, you're all of a sudden you're running into all sorts of dark savant um, dudes all over the place. So generally, the first thing you do is get the heck out of Dodge and go around in the wilderness and make friends with people like Yumpani and the Tirang and the um, the Trini, which the are racket. like the. No, there's not. Uh, there's, uh, yeah, the Ratkin are there, but there's also Trinis, which are like Ratkin except nice. Yes. And and there's also Rapaks. Ah, yes. Which are horn demon dudes. And fishmen, apparently. Yeah, they're psionic fishmen. I don't think I ever met them. They live on an island and worship a sea monster, and I don't remember them at all. But they're <laughs> apparently kind of dumb. So they're Thank you, Wikipedia. Because nothing says psionic powers like being stupid. <laughs> apparently. Maybe the budget didn't oh. last long enough. Yeah, it's possible. That's the handy excuse any developer can use. Okay, what's a Jastrodon? Because it mentions Jastrodon in here, but I don't remember that. And there's the Higardi, which are the ancestors of the of the flying bon, blonde chicks. But the, the thing that I remember mostly from that game is uh, having my, my sarcastic loner guy have sex with a demon chick, which, if I recall correctly, you know, he was pretty proud of himself at the time, but it didn't end well for him. And I don't remember exactly what happened, but something <clears> bad. <throat> or maybe something hatched inside of him or anything. I don't know. Yeah, I can think of any number of scenarios where having sex with a demon chick would prove to be not in the best interest of staying alive a long time. Either directly because she, you know, takes your poor performance in the worst possible way and rips your head off, or through something that takes a little longer to bear fruit. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm sure she uh, left him with a little present, with a gift they kept on giving, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Oh, it's that kind. Mm-hmm. But was she from a new continent recently conquered? Never mind. I, Historical I analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the Rapaks are not nice people. Based on yeah. what you have said, that seems a slight understatement. Yeah. Well, let's see. Aside from Mr. Sarcasm, were any of the other voices memorable? Yeah. Um, I think there were some fun female voices. 
uh, they I liked the way they all interacted with each other because each voice would respond to different things differently. So, and then they would they would discuss stuff like they'd go blind because of a spell and they'd be like, I can't see anything, just so. So that was kind of entertaining, but mostly the loner guy really stuck out in my mind. They had some pretty pretty amusing caricature voices, but they're all well done. A lot of them are overblown, but well done. <laughs> I don't remember any poorly acted ones, although there are a few that would be really annoying to have to listen to through the entire game. And and I think for some reason they couldn't find any Asian people because they have these fake quasi-Asian voices that are just kind of really racist, actually. <laughs> Yeah, 2001, gosh, where were all the Asians? I'm sure there weren't any around the development studio by then. Wow. They probably weren't any that were willing to voice check the, 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 the kind of racist lines, perhaps, is a better way of it. They said, uh, no, I, I don't think so. I'm not going to say that. How much impression did the voices make on you, Becky? I don't really remember them. That much of an impression, huh? Okay. I, I remember the NPCs being voiced. Yeah. Uh, the, the, also the, impressive for the time. The the uh, the Umpani had pretty good Umpani voices. Oh, yeah. They were bellowy and big, if I recall yes. correctly. They were very bellowy. We are Umpani of the... Empire Federation, or whatever they called themselves. Uh -huh. Empire. This is why all the battles took forever. The monsters were scaled to the party level. So it was mm. like they were Bethesda before Bethesda was Bethesda. <laughs> Which didn't work in my favor because I got bored because the fights took too long. <laughs> there was a point, however, when one became so high level that one just became godly. And uh, I was always, I've always been a, a cast party roller. So I'd have like four casters that could just nuke everything for orbit. It was a good time. That must have been hard to start out with, though, because when you start out, you're fighting these great big groups of monsters and your casters are like, oops, I'm out of MP. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if you could run backwards or anything like that. Like, but yeah, I, you could run. I ran a lot. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. <laughs> it was because you had to go into battle mode, so you could always go back out of battle mode and try to run away while fifteen monsters started shooting fireballs across the zone and all sorts of other monsters started chasing you. So, do you remember anything about the plot of this particular game? Uh, not a ton, uh, other than ton. that Arnica had been taken over by the Dark Savant, and you had to go try to make friends with the various different races. You had to get some artifacts, and, um, you could get them in various ways. Like, you had to, uh, get sort of a letter of recommendation from the Terrangan of the Impani, or you could kill the leader of the Terrangan of the Impani and steal a letter of recommendation and get in to see the MOOC, because they had one of the artifacts. And, 
the key to change is what they had. I think. Oh, the Chaos Maliri is what the MOOC had. And uh, you had to get the Astral Domine, which the Dark Savant has, and the Destiny Dominus, which uh, belongs to the thief Martin, who I think is some sort of rat dude. Probably. If I recall. And then you have to go to this mountain to try to ascend to godhood, but then the demon dudes are in the way. And uh, if you if you can fight your way through or teleport your way through or, or, or join the demons to get through and go in, then you have to go to this big battle with the dark savant and possibly a demon dude and uh eh. let's see and then you win maybe (laughs) (laughs) well here's the here's a funny piece of um, trivia so apparently in wizardry 7 at the end of the game the dark savant has captured v domina and um he offers her life in exchange for the Astral Domine, which you found at two points. And if you if you choose to keep the Astral Domine and let him kill her, the Savant waves his hand and darkness surrounds the party, and that's the end of the game. You're surrounded by darkness floating in space. Um, if you ended your game of Wizardry 7 like that, you can um, transfer your save game over to Wizardry 8. And in Wizardry 8, it says, you're still floating in darkness. The end. So you actually, <laughs> you actually can't play Wizardry Eight with that save point, save game. <laughs> right. Now that's something that games don't have the cojones to do anymore. <laughs> you screwed up. <laughs> you were naughty. Game. You don't get to play this game. Make a new party. <laughs> there are three different endings to Wizardry Eight. Only three? Uh, yeah, you can join the Dark Savant, and, and uh, then the narrator tells you that the Dark Savant really is incredibly evil. And uh, that's the, be obvious the pen there. ending. Yeah, the pen ending is where you write the Dark Savant out of existence, and then uh, you you um. And that brings Spoonzang back, apparently, but they're not quick enough, so they still have to kill the Savant slash Spoonzang. But they save the universe that way, and the party turns into gods, and, and they forge peace between the Umpani and the Tarang, and they um, they make the, the Rapax be you know nice people and civilized. Or there's the book ending, where you tear a page out of the out of the book of destiny and uh but as a result you change or destroy everything that after Funzang becoming the savant so you said book then, ending for a second i thought there had been a novelization of wizardry 8's plot no no so then you're you have to fight the um savant to the death and then this one turns into Funzang alive and well. But a lot of other events are, don't happen. And the party has destroyed the universe. 
<laughs> that Yay! seems kind of self-defeating. So <laughs> then they so then they ascend to godhood, and they and Funzang have to recreate the universe's history and and set the timeline right. So so which ending did you get? Oh goodness, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I honestly I don't remember anymore. It's been a long time. I'd like to think that I chose the pen. <laughs> but you probably didn't choose the savant. No, probably not. As much as I think playing the bad guy is fun, I, I always feel guilty even though it's a video game, so I probably didn't choose that one. The, the only exception to that was when I played Enclave. You that was really fun to be evil. Enclave. Ah. A game where you can play good or evil, you know. But uh, I'm I think I might have done the book ending <laughs> and had to recreate the universe because I screwed up. But at least yeah. I didn't end up flood space. And you, there was the chance to uh, save your do your final save before the before the 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 very end of the game. But then they never made another game. And uh, probably if they do make another wizardry, they're not going to have the option of loading that save game because who's got that still if they did make it yeah well yeah let's see are we we talking about windows 2000 or windows xp that this was designed for (laughs) xp wasn't out yet okay then Uh, yeah who still uses windows 2000 (laughs) i held out for a long time before i went to xp i went from 98 to xp so do what every smart person does. Skip every ver- every other version of Windows. <laughs> yeah, I played World of Warcraft with the Windows 2000 Server Edition for a long time until I got a dual core processor, and I oh, the I Server Edition anymore. was pretty good. Yeah, that was. But I like the fact that you could screw up majorly in this game and still still end the game, but be left with the sense of bad bad person shame on you for making these choices but but you're still done i hope you're happy and you could even play through a couple of games in the series like that or like three games in the series like that where you you're just a total douche canoe <laughs> but you can still play through the game which a lot of games you know you have the option to be really nasty and evil but then you can't really do anything because everybody kills you on sight but in in the Wizardry series, there were plenty of other douche canoes that you could go hang out with. So it was actually a viable option. <laughs> yep. And you didn't necessarily, no matter what, have a good ending, which is kind of cool. Yes. Things are still messed up. It adds to the dramatic tension, I guess. But, I, I mean, I don't know where you would go from that anyway. If you've ascended to godhood, like, what would the game after that be about anyway? Well, it would probably be about a different set of adventurers. <laughs> or it could try and go to... the Ultima route, sort of. The Avatar was more or less a walking god near the end, wasn't he? Um, I... Not really. I just remember the tragedy that was the last Ultima game. Yes, we we covered the tragedy that was the last Ultima game fairly extensively on the Ultima backtrack. What's a paladin? (laughs) The Codex of Ultimate Wisdom? What's that? (laughs) Oh, look, a 
prostitute. <laughs> yeah. Yes, if you haven't seen Spoonie's take on Ultima 9, go see it. It's very entertaining. <laughs> he rips it apart. <laughs> I never finished it, I can tell you that much. Oh, I yeah, tried. You could... So in this game, if you really wanted to have fun, you could play it in Iron Man mode, where you were not allowed to save your game, and if you died, you died. Yeah, and if you quit the game, it saved there. Yep. That was the only time I saved the game, was when you quit. So if everybody falls off a cliff and dies, and you or they get demon STD and they can't be cured or whatever, <laughs> then that's it. You've, you've just got Uber herpes for the rest of your life, I guess. I don't know. Because, uh, you want a challenge? Over. Here's your challenge. And getting Uber herpes was actually something that happened. <laughs> I, I really don't remember what happened, but I think you had to... My impression was that you had to have sex with the alien chick. When I played it, I could be wrong. <laughs> but... Uh... Now I really want to get a hold of this. <laughs> oh yes, yes. I see here it says that um, after traveling to the castle and and if you join the Rapax, you have to sleep with and get pregnant demon goddess. Ah, the demon goddess. I see. Yeah, <laughs> but I seem to recall there being a bad consequence for the male that slept with her too. <laughs> And it doesn't it doesn't tell you what that is. So you had to choose one of your party members to do it. Yes, yes you had to <laughs> that's kind of awesome. Somebody, come on, buddy, I'll get you a beer. <laughs> See, I miss all these crazy things by hanging out with the Oompani all the time. <laughs> Wowzers. So if you want a new... I see that somebody on eBay paid 120 bucks for a sealed copy of Wizardry 8. I would probably not pay 120 bucks for a sealed copy of Wizardry 8, as fun as it was. Um, although, well, I, I got bored and quit, so it probably... <laughs> Ev, Ev likes it better than I do, obviously. I have one of the two discs that you need. And I don't know what happened to the other disc, and I'm still upset about that. I still have the manual somewhere. Yeah, well, those are my discs, so send them back. <laughs> of eight? Yeah. Eight oh. was fine. Huh? That was 2001. Are you sure that was yours? Because, you know, I was in college then, too. All right, I yeah. Was... Never mind, I was out of college. I was pretty sure... I thought we used the same copy, but we probably didn't because I was not home for the summers then. Never mind. Yeah, I bought my own. I see what you're trying to do there, though. <laughs> I didn't actually want you to send them back. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I don't have time to play with Create. <laughs> so many games on my backlog. I actually did download the ISO of Wizardry 7, but I'm never going to get to it. I just know I'm not. I've burned the disc. I just have to figure out how to get it to work on Windows 7 now. Good luck. Probably going to involve DOSBox. <laughs> yeah, see, this is why we like GOG. They do all that stuff for us. Yeah. 
Well, I would say that if you can get a hold of the games, they're actually worth playing. They're quite a bit of fun. I don't they're want to pay $120 in, in the round. 25 30 bucks looks like. And yes, GOG has an excellent reputation that I can tell is well-deserved. <laughs> I think we're winding down. <clears throat> I think we are. Um, was there any memorable music? Yeah, the, uh, the you leveled up inventory screen, screen music was, was pretty memorable. And I bet I can find that on, uh, on YouTube. Wizardry well, 7 music. Oh, oh, yes. Here, you, you want to hear the, the, the most exciting music in the game? Because you knew you were leveling up. Gimme. Once it loads. <laughs> See, it's so exciting that I can't listen immediately. I have to pace myself. Oh, you got a 56k modem there, sis? <laughs> uh, I think that the rats might have jacked her. There you go. It's buffering. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a 56k modem. <laughs> I haven't seen buffering in years. I remember that. I tried to listen to you, to watch YouTube with dial-up too. It didn't work very well. <laughs> I'm not sure I can buffer this and talk to you guys. Mmm, bitty goodness. Oh man, I, I suddenly feel compelled to partake in a square dance. <laughs> yes. yes. Unlike the Ultima series, the Wizardry series was not known for its music. No. There, there were no ice castles or, or whatever that song was in, in Wizardry. Wizardry no. was nor, more known for its plot. <laughs> and weirdness. I'm looking at a map. So there's a map of Lost Guardian on this on this YouTube thing, and I remember there were places that I always wanted to go to, and I never found the way there. You could only go so far in the water; like you had to learn swimming, but it still killed your stamina, bit by bit. The longer you were swimming through the water, the more stamina you lost. And I always had everybody drown before I could quite make it to where I needed to go. I never figured out how. Oh, nice. I just found an interview from in from 1997 where Deslock interviews Brenda Garnier, which I assume is Brenda Braithwaite before she was Brenda Braithwaite of Sir Tech um, on about Wizardry 8. <laughs> there, yeah, there's some weird stuff you can still find on the Internet. <laughs> awesome. Does she talk about the demon sex? I, I doubt he knows to ask her about the demon sex. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Poor ignorant interviewer. <laughs> but anyway. Oh, and, and the other thing about the Wizardry series was you could play with just one character. You didn't have to have all six. What so, were your chances uh, of survival of if you tried doing it with just one? <laughs> very difficult, but people like to do it with fairies. Even though fairies are very easy to squish, if they could get the ninja weapon, they could yeah. they could solo the rest of the game. But yeah, you can a find ninja guides fairy. 
Yeah, the fairy ninja yes. with the cane of corpus. There, there were guys yes, for speed you... running to the cane of corpus on Usenet. If you look, if you look at um, YouTube, you can find wizardry. I go solo, where somebody has actually recorded playing the game as just a fairy ninja, nothing else. Now here's now, a I great. <laughs> Here's a great interview question from 1997. Please discuss the graphics engine for Wizardry 8. I understand it will be a true 3D engine. Will the monsters, etc., appear as sprites? Will there also be 3D polygonal objects? <laughs> wow. It's a true 3D engine with 360 degrees of freedom and a long list of bells and whistles, and we got a lot of good response for it to it at E3. <laughs> at the time they were leaning towards polygonal creatures and items i'm not sure if they actually ended up with those though i think they might have been sprites because i think they looked too nice to be polygonal for that time <laughs> yeah yeah even if they oh, came yes. out in two, if they waited until 2001 to design the graphics they probably wouldn't have turned out all that well yeah So the game can still pose quite a challenge. It's still interesting if you're not too hung up on graphics. And I would recommend checking out 7 and 8 if you can get a hold of them. I don't have a whole lot to say at this point other than that. <laughs> yep. I think I think you remembered a lot more than you expected to, honestly. Yeah. What's your stance, Becky? Yeah, no, they're both good games. Um expect to spend a great deal of time on them if you want to play them to completion um, and don't expect the graphics to be tremendous as per usual um, with games of this age um, but especially if you're the kind of person who really likes um, sort of old school character interaction where you actually have like the dictionary thing where you type in what you're interested in learning about and talking to characters and, um, but actually having an older game where you know, you have to side with different factions and there's all that good stuff. Um, and if you really like dungeon crawling and solving puzzles and stuff like that, they're both good for that. Mm -hmm. And maybe the fights don't take quite so long with modern um, 3D cards either. Probably not. Because <laughs> I think what took so long is I remember especially fighting like 25 dragonflies and they would like you'd have like, to wait for them all to individually like go from one space to another. <laughs> There's probably a means yeah. of, of uh, getting a higher frame rate now. Yeah. Probably, yeah. I, I had a good, good job then, so I bought myself a, a screaming graphics card for that game. It, did it have like how many megabytes of RAM did it have? <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know, like 24? I, I don't know. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Back in the day, that was a lot. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Maybe 56, I don't know. but. Ooh, now we're playing with real power. <laughs> <laughs> but actually, the graphics are, are they're, they're really well done. They, they worked hard uh, on 7... And, and eight, they worked really hard within the confines of, of uh, graphic capabilities that they have. Everything is 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 very nicely detailed. 
Well, if it looks better than some of the PlayStation things I've been playing lately that look like complete garbage now, that's all I really need. Yeah. They had good artists on their teams. Yeah. yeah. And I, as I said, I think they didn't go with polygonal monsters, so the monsters don't look too bad. That was a wise decision in hindsight. Yes. So it doesn't look like, you know, Final Fantasy VII. Uh, yeah, I played that two years ago, and I doubt it looks any better now. Well, okay. I think we've pretty much wrapped up this pair, and since we don't have anyone who knows about the first six right now, we'll have to hold off on them for another day. And... Oh, well, thank you for having <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We Phil does something at the end of the show where we give everybody a chance to sponsor something, something of interest, something that catches your fancy, whatever. And since I'm doing his job for a little while, I might as well keep that alive. Ev, is there anything that you would like to sponsor, to shout out, I love this, or to say, I hate you and you should die right now? Or any measure in between of those of two emotions. Generally in the realm of video games. Hopefully. Oh, yes. oh well, um... <laughs> I knew I needed to put that in. <laughs> I, I, I would like to say that uh, Heroes of Might and Magic 6 made me very angry. And I wish that they... Uh... <laughs> They had made them a little more like the, the older games. But I hear that they have a new team over in Russia working on it now, and I'm hoping that they can pull it back from the brink and that maybe someday, somehow, we won't have helium drunken noises if you want your combat to go faster than a slow crawl. So that is my hope that I'm going to put out there. Trusting in the Russians, sometimes it works. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe they're German. I don't know. German, Russian. German. They've always There's no along, difference. Right? <laughs> Those two countries get along so well. Who can tell the difference? I've been playing Bedwars right, too, so, you know. Hey, I know Becky's playing that too. Yeah, you should probably log into the guild and make sure you're not culled in the culling. Oh no! I I played I played today as Rake Cake, the unfortunate okay. character that I created when drunk on crack and rum while baking my crack and rum birthday cake. <laughs> I don't have any characters I named while drunk, unfortunately. <laughs> am I am I doing my sponsorship now? Why not? Go for it. I've already sponsored Guild Wars Two on the backtrack, so I'm going to sponsor Dishonored. Because if you're talking about a game that still has some of those qualities of you go through the world and you find things out about it, like it doesn't sock you in the face with everything that's going on. Dishonored is a great example of that. And it's a heck of a lot of fun to play. Um, it looks fantastic, especially on the PC. Um, and there's lots of different creative things you can do as an assassin um, in Dishonored. And um, it's got... Um, freedom of choice without freedom from consequence. So just like in the Wizardry games, actually, if you decide you're going to be a mean old SOB and kill everybody, 
well, the world isn't going to turn out nearly as well as if you restrained yourself and and carefully chose your targets as an assassin, or if you tried not to kill anybody at all. Although, interestingly enough, um, the non-lethal assassination options in the game, some of them are actually kind of meaner than if you just went and offed the dude. <laughs> so, I really had a great time with Dishonored, and I think everybody should try it out, because it's the kind of game that really deserves to get your money so that they can develop more good games that are a little bit deeper, a little more interesting, um, have well-developed worlds, and give you a lot of choice in how you do things, as opposed to, you know, corridor shooters. <laughs> What are the odds that we will nevertheless get another Madden next year? Well, of course we're going to get another Madden. That doesn't matter. (laughs) I don't care if there's a Madden every six months, as long as there are also games like Dishonored being developed. I can't really argue with that. (laughs) People like Madden. Actually, people really like FIFA Soccer. That one is really... uh, The worldwide charts are on fire with that one. This is true. And just because I don't get sports games, I I can't say that people don't, because they most assuredly do. And if my dad was going to play any games, those would be the ones. Hey, our dad plays Microsoft Train Simulator like it's going out of style, which it is. <laughs> it's, Microsoft. it's been out of style for decades, I believe. But every time I call, I can hear in the background. <laughs> I get emails. I was driving my train through Toronto the other day. (laughs) No, you weren't. You were driving your fake train through Toronto. (laughs) Well, I guess that leaves me, and I'll keep this short in the spirit of this episode, which is shorter than usual. Ev, Becky, take a look at this picture and tell me if this woman is, in fact, dressed as stupidly as she appears. I, I am refusing to play that game until she finds some pants. And since <laughs> she's unlikely to find any pants, I'm not playing that game. <laughs> Can I reach the monitor and punch that artist in the face? You have to you reach a very long ways all the way to Japan. And apparently it is a woman also, who drew she this. Has oh yeah, female artists are perfectly capable of perpetrating awful scantily clad art. She has no ribcage. And what happened to her arms <laughs> and her pelvis? Ev is an artist, so you may have unlocked. <laughs> I think her <laughs> leg pitched up that way because she has no choice. Does she have cerebral palsy, perhaps? She does look Based pretty worried what... holding that. I would be too, because there's no way she'd ever be able to lift that thing. Also, the artwork we are discussing is for Princess Solange in the game Code of Princess, which I have been given the honor, question mark, of reviewing for RP Gamer in the near future, and uh, I will definitely be doing that. Oh, I've heard the As game a game, is fine. I'm just boycotting it because you. <laughs> yes, as a game, it reminds me of Guardian Heroes, and if you aren't familiar with Guardian Heroes, then it reminds me of... Uh, an old-style beat-em-up with RPG, distinct RPG elements. As a display of artwork, it reminds me that Japan is a place where if you make something like this, where a woman apparently wears more around her neck than she does around any other part of her body, 
then you are guaranteed to get some sales from a certain audience. Well, and, that also holds true for this continent. Yes. Yeah. I, I gather that Bioware and Bethesda and Obsidian are not necessarily progressive in their art styles either. But as a game, if you oh, and of course as a character in the game, she is a clueless airhead who tries to befriend everyone and just accepts everything at face value because that kind of character is always worth spending time with. Yay. And I just completed Suikoden 2. My thoughts in depth will wait for another day. My thoughts in short are, well, yes, this is better than Suikoden 1 by a long shot. And that will be enough. And soon enough, I will try Suikoden 3 and we'll see how that goes. And because I'm doing this, I will restrain myself and not talk about any movies except the two stop-motion ones I saw recently, Paranorman and Frankenweenie. I love stop-motion, and they were both quite entertaining. And if you have the chance to see them, if you have any liking for somewhat intelligent movies that anyone can enjoy, not just kids, go for them. We actually got to see a bunch of the sets from Frankenweenie at um, Toronto Fan Expo this year, and it was really cool to see all the figures that they used and the way that they did things on the sets. Yeah, just watching stop-motion animators at work is fun. It, yeah. It's so much effort for so little time. You need to spend years at it. I know. It's crazy. I'm glad that people do that stuff, though. Yeah, it's so much more personal than CG. Mm-hmm. I could have seen Hotel Transylvania. I chose not to because that would involve listening to Adam Sandler voice Dracula. I don't need to do that, ever. <laughs> Sorry, Adam Sandler, I saw Jack and Jill last year, and it will never stop scarring me. Oh, that was a bad choice. Well, a friend of mine suggested it with the proviso, we will remember this. It will not be a good night, but we will remember it. And we were alone in the theater. (laughs) And yes, we do remember it. We will always remember Al Pacino doing his Dunkachino fake commercial and degrading himself more than any other role in his history has done. And considering Al Pacino's roles, that's saying a lot. Wow. That sounds even worse than the night my friend and I did not watch the Dungeons & Dragons movie. (laughs) We never watched it. Didn't happen. (laughs) According to Scott, I think... One of the worst movies. Which one? Gore. G-O-R. Oh, It It sounds like that was a memorable night in the wrong way. I feel kind of queasy thinking about it now. (laughs) On that note, I will refrain from giving out the entire corporate logo that Phil usually does and just say good night, everybody, or good day, whatever time of day you happen to be listening to this. Hope we were informative. Good night, everyone. May your times after this be quite good and entertaining, and may this podcast have served you well.
Salutations. This is your host, Phil Willis. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be on the show this evening. I was out visiting relatives. But um, but I still get the honor of, of editing and putting this together. And I didn't want to finalize this until I said my uh, few cents worth about my favorite game out of the whole series, Wizardry. Eight. Um, I actually didn't really play any of the other ones. Uh, I really never got into the Wizardry series early on, those early dungeon crawlers and stuff. No, I was too busy playing the Dungeon Dragons Gold Box games on the Commodore uh, when uh, when Wizardry was really taken off. But uh, later on, I think I want to say it was late 90s, I saw Wizard the box to Wizardry 7. And it looked really kind of cool. You had all these party members, so, you know, on the left and to the right. You could pick all these different races and class combinations. Looked super awesome. So uh, I, I got it. Uh, unfortunately, I could never get it to work with my computer at the time. I don't remember if it was a Windows 95 issue or ME issue or whatever it was I was playing it on in those days. But uh, whatever it was, I, I couldn't get 7 to work, and, and so it collected dust. Uh, however, uh, Wizardry 8 came out. And uh, in case uh, I haven't actually listened to the whole show yet, <laughs> I'm just editing it. Um, so, but in case they didn't properly introduce it, uh, Wizardry 8 was developed and published by Surtech. Uh, this was uh, this was brought out on the uh, Windows platform on November 15, 2001. A single-player RPG video game experience coming to you on three glorious CD-ROMs with a big, huge number eight on each one. Um, so, <laughs> and this thing requires uh, 64 megabytes of RAM, a four-speed speed CD-ROM and DirectX 6.0 with running Windows 95 or better. Woohoo! Don't even ask me how I get this to run on Windows XP. I still do today. But, um... I don't even know if you could do it on 7. You'd have to get really creative with compatibility mode. Uh, Wizardry 8 was the 8th and the final title, official title, anyways, in a Wizardry series of role-playing games by uh, Sir Tech. Um, It was the uh, 3rd in the Dark Savant trilogy, and, uh, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I just jumped right into it. Um... So, I had saw the reason I, well, I had saw some of the reviews. They sounded really good. So I went ahead and, and picked this guy up. A lot of people said that Wizardry, um, at least Sir Tech's run with the Wizardry series, went out with a bang, and they were not kidding. Uh, it was just a, a really, really uh, great game. Now there's a storyline, something about. Uh, uh, you know, you need to collect some artifacts, set them on a pedestal, uh, to get ascended to the cosmic uh, circle. Blah blah blah. You know, to be honest, you guys know me. Uh, especially when it comes to dungeon crawlers, I'm not super, you know, big into the story. Um, it's a pretty cool story, I guess, for people who are into that sort of thing. Uh, but I get into RPGs mostly for the other juicy stuff. I mean. Uh, I will say that the story couldn't have been super great because I sure as heck don't remember a whole lot about it. Um, but I do remember having to go and, and, and collecting lots of artifacts and cosmic circles and ascending and the such. Um, and by the time I got to the end, I just totally lost track of what was going on altogether. A lot of the game is spent dungeon crawling or uh, moving from place to place and getting into combat and uh figuring out how you want to upgrade your characters and the such. So uh, not a lot of times actually spend listening to people talk, though. I mean, there's plenty of text in it somewhere. Uh, so Wizardry 8, uh, what, what, uh, what I really loved about it is, 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 the, uh, is a couple things. Uh, first, 
you got uh, a number of different races and classes uh, to play around with here. Um, and uh, all kinds of uh, different uh, combinations. You got the... Um, uh, you can pick everything from fairies to elves to everything else. Um, it's really kind of cool. Um, little tiny fairies, but little big next to really, you know, humans and stuff. It's pretty fun. Um, so you're going to make your, your, your good mix. Uh, got lots of different classes to pick from as well. And everything from the, you know, samurai to the mage to the fighter. After you got your whole party together, the real appeal to the game for me was the combat. Uh, what happens is um, is it's in a first-person perspective, but unlike most of the other dungeon crawlers, which were done on this rigid 90-degree uh, angle grid type of thing, uh, this was pretty freeform. You could turn around left, right. You can move at angles and as such, and uh, move half. There, there's no grid-based you know system that you're being forced into here. The um, the when a monsters uh, are attacked, you go into an attack mode, and you can. Uh, I, I think there was different modes you could fight with, but I was pretty much stuck with the one where it pauses when I make decisions, and everyone takes their their turn in some sort of initiative order. So, you got a party of six or seven people or eight people, and when you get into a fight, um, the monsters are go- usually you're fighting numerous monsters, and they're going to do their best to try to surround you. Uh, what you have at the bottom of the screen is a circle that's divided into 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 um, four quarters: the front, the back, the left, and the right. And in the middle of that is a circle, a, a smaller circle on the inside. So what you normally would do is you put your squishy people in the middle, your, your wizards and the such. And then whatever uh, direction those monsters were attacking at, you want to make sure you have one or more fighters in those other you know quadrants to help absorb those blows. If uh, if a monster attacks from a quadrant where there's not, uh, you know, if a monster's attacking from your right and there's no party member there, then it's going to hit the people in the middle, which are usually your squishies. Uh, in the middle of combat, you can actually use part of your turn, if not your whole turn, to move characters uh, around from different quadrants, which becomes a necessity sometimes when a party member who is protecting your flank goes down. So you'll have to move those guys around sometimes. Uh, a lot of times when you when you think you're going to get into a fight, you want to try to back yourself up against a wall. It's easier to fight with a wall behind you because <laughs> nobody will attack your, uh, your, your back end that way. Um, the, the mages, when they cast spells, one of the neat things is, uh, you get to select how much spell power you're going to use. As you gain experience, you'll access, let's say, fireball. Uh, your first level fireball takes, let's just say, for example, three magic points, and will do, you know, so much damage on the average. Well, later on, you can do a second level, a third level, fourth level, you know, fireball spell. And every time you cast it, you can pick a little bit or you can pick a lot. Same thing with your sleep spells and all these other spells. Uh, and the more power or magic points you pour into it, uh, the more effective they become. So this uh, this uh, gives it kind of a um, a risk versus reward you know, structure and really makes the, the magic users feel very magic-y. I, I play a lot of games. I'm playing uh, Tactics uh, Ogre right now on the PSP. And for the most part, it's a pretty good game, but uh, uh, and I'm only in the first, you know, probably level seven by now. Uh, so, but the magic people, uh, you know, he casts a fireball, whatever, does pretty much the same damage as the guy with the sword. And there's no way for him to, to really stand out, though he is limited by magic points. His fireball will hit a little bit more often. Nothing spectacular there, but in Wizardry 8, oh, well, you want your fireball to be spectacular, that's fine. <laughs> just pour, uh, you know, just pour, uh, as you unlock those higher levels, just pour a bunch of, uh, uh, magic points into it and, and watch you, you know, you'll, you'll get a big fireball out of it. Um, you'll do a lot of damage, but you'll, you'll burn up your mana like a, 
like no tomorrow. So uh, really cool risk versus reward uh, aspect to the to the combat between that and the quadrants. It was just such a fresh and different take on the whole dungeon crawling experience. And in most other games I played, it was just pretty much, um, you know, very, very grid based. Now, to be fair, Might and Magic, uh, I can't remember which one. I don't think Might and Magic games didn't feel, uh, I want to say six or seven I played. Uh, it wasn't really grid based either. Um, but in that one, you just had like four characters at the bottom. Um, it just seemed like when somebody was attacking you, which of the four people it hit was pretty random. Uh, I think the people on the left might have been hit more often than the people on the right, so maybe there's a little strategy there to keep your weaker guys on the right, but that would be a pretty much a no-brainer as far as strategy goes. In Wizardry 8, you are constantly reviewing your party's position uh, you know, as the monsters are attacking you, and, and when it's your turn, you can you can turn the camera around, take a look at the monsters, you know, which sides they're facing you, and then you know, rearrange your party members accordingly, or uh, move the whole party, uh, which will probably take everyone's turn, I believe, but uh, but if you need to get to a more strategic location, it, it may be worth doing so. Uh, on top of that, as you're, as you're gaining uh, levels, I don't remember, I played this game like 10, 12 years ago, not super great on the some of those details, but you can... Um, uh, you can pour points into various aspects of your character to help uh, level them up even more, so uh, that makes the game uh, a lot more fun and deeper and the such. But um, it actually, as far as the looks goes, um, you know, this is uh, this is probably um, maybe a low-end PlayStation 2 type of graphics game. Um, it, 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 but for its time, it was it was bloody awesome. Um, it was just it was just it was just really really big. Um, I remember it taking up uh, almost two gigabytes on my hard drive because I went for the full install, and to that point, I, I don't remember any game going over a, a, a meg that I had. So uh, that was that was something else. Mm, the other thing about it is there, and I'm kind of all over the board here. So yeah, pardon me for my little disjumbled thoughts, but uh, part of it, too, one of the interesting things about Wizard Games, and it's probably mentioned earlier on the cast, is uh, it's prominent in Wizardry 8, is the mixture of technological themes and uh, fantasy themes. you got robots, uh, you know, right next to the uh, fantasy tropes such as, you know, elves and, and fairies and such. So uh, you'll be interacting with holograms, for example, and eventually you can pick up um, laser beams, if I'm not mistaken, like laser guns and the such, and get proficiency in using those. Um, but not that I ever, ever did that. Uh, but going back uh, to the leveling up process, I mean, you, you as you level up, you get skill points, and it's really, really fun. Um, you, um, uh, you, you can put points uh, into uh, additional attacks, uh, um, you know, in their critical hits. Uh, the mages, like I said before, if you put points into fire, I want to say that's what unlocks the higher level fireballs, and there's different schools of, of magic they can they can fool around with. Um, it's just really, really cool with the skill system. Um, you can you can increase the skill. Also, it was, oh, now I remember. One of the really cool things, too, was it kind of integrated a little bit of the Oblivion feel because you can increase skills by just using them over and over. Um, but if you got a skill that's uh, that doesn't go up easily by using over and over, maybe maybe you don't get many opportunities to use it over and over to make it go up, like lock picking. Well, when you level up, you also get a handful of skill points, so you can pour those uh, into those uh, into those things. Um, 
So, uh, so just and, and the way the skill points just build up on top of each other, it's 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 really cool. And then you're multiplying this by all your different characters. It's just super super fun building your own custom team of super awesome, you know, mage fairies and samurai elves and. Uh, and, and then just pour it, you know, strategizing exactly where you want, you know, who to be strong in middle magic or, you know, long swords or, or, or whatever, you know, have you. Um, and this, as you're fighting stuff, as I mentioned before, as you repeat, use your skills, you'll see it come up on the screen over and over again. You just gain the skill point. You gain skill point. And it, it just, if, if you're into RPGs, if you like the feeling of getting stronger as you're playing through the game, um, Boy, this is this is really really an addictive game. Um, every battle, everything you do, somebody in your party is gaining a skill point somewhere, and that's probably going to work into your overall strategy of how you're growing your group. Um, you'll watch your your little humble party at the beginning who can't do much grow into this highly you know a team of power, super powerful, uh, magical, uh, fantasy you know trope types of uh, characters. So, um, uh, and you know, after you play it once, you might want to go back and play it again because uh, you'll want to do a different party and try, you know, focuses on different, uh, different skills. Uh, this thing, uh, like I said, the story is not like Baldur's Gate uh, type of story, but the, uh, at least not for I remember, but the, but the combat and the character growth and development system is just absolutely hands down uh, the, the best thing um, ever. The... One of the only draw points as far as the game kind of goes, I was going through the levels, one of the only low lights that stick in my mind is it has these puzzles that would fit it very well with uh, uh, some of these point-and-click adventure games, which is not my favorite genre. I don't like walking around aimlessly trying to figure out why I can't get past the, the door and uh, or the gate or there's some guard there saying he won't let me through and he's not telling me why or I missed a clue somewhere. So I did have to bust out the FAQ once or twice which anybody who's listening to the show a lot knows that I pretty much consider that one of the seven deadly sins. I hate having to reach for an FAQ to figure out how to get past you know obstacles in a game and the such. Uh, but it was only uh, once or twice and got through it and, and moved on. I just I didn't care at that point. I was I was happy to look it up because uh, dang it, I just wanted to gain more levels and gain more skill points and such and make my party even more powerful. So. Um, that's pretty much my thoughts on Wizardry 8. I mean, it was just an absolutely, absolutely fabulous game. I might mention this on the last show of the show before, but at some point I lost the, the disc. I had bought the game, and I lost the disc, or I sold them, or I got rid of it. I don't know what happened. Uh, I just don't recall, but a couple, two, three, four years ago, uh, when I bought uh, Wizardry Class of Heroes, um, I... Um, I, I noticed it was missing, and I went out and bought myself another copy on eBay because uh, I wanted to make sure that that gem was not out of my collection. That game has not come out on GOG or anything like that. So as far as I know, the only way to play it is on the original disc. And again, I'm not really quite sure you know, how well that's going to work on, um, on newer Windows 7, and now we got Windows 8 coming out. So that'll be interesting. There were a pl- there were a number of wizardry games that came out afterwards. I I don't know the details. Maybe the other guys talked about it earlier on the on the podcast here about um, about maybe some of the other uh, or who else is making wizardry games now. I think it was Atlas or one of these guys making wizardry games. I, I don't know. I've got uh, I bought one on my PlayStation uh, three. Well, actually, first I got one on a PlayStation two. 
and um, that went back to the 90 degree angle types of things and I'm sure I don't know if we went through the entire wizardry series on the show so hopefully I'm not giving away something for a future show but um, I played that one for a while I played one of the PlayStation 3 uh, the one that came out the downloadable one uh, both of those very old school very very old school <laughs> uh, you'll want an FAQ or something they don't do a very good job of explaining their ways they don't have the magic in my opinion that Wizardry 8 have it was just they, they Wizardry 8 did such a great job of capturing an old school dungeon crawler feel but adding in enough new stuff to make it really worthwhile plus with the deeper skill point system that you just don't see in these later uh, Wizardry games at least I don't think now then there's uh, of course, there's class of heroes, and I think there are clash of here class of, class of heroes, wizardry class of heroes, I believe, and uh, I think they're making a second one now. So you know those games, I haven't had a time to get around to uh, yet. Uh, maybe a little too much uh, scary talk from some of my friends, but hopefully when I get a chance to listen to this whole podcast properly, maybe some of our uh, people here have talked about these newer wizardries, and maybe they'll convince me and talk me into it uh, to playing those. So, uh, but it definitely, uh, I put out my vote out there for Wizardry 8. Uh, highly recommend if you can get your hands on it and play it that you do so. It is a hard game to find on eBay. Uh, you're looking at upwards of $60 to be able to grab that one because it's just, it's just not many copies that are out there. So, uh, I would say it's worth the effort to pay the 60 bucks for it. Play it, see if you like it. Uh, I think you'll love it. If, if unless you unless you don't like deep com uh, character growth, uh, the combat system isn't super super deep. Uh, it's not super tactical, but it is it is uh, deep enough though to keep uh, keep people interested. Mm. Uh, but uh, for most of most of you people who are into uh, watching parties grow and getting stronger and deep uh, deep character development systems, I think you'll just love this game. Yeah, it, buy it, try it out, and if you don't like it, well, you can always go back and play it back on eBay for sixty bucks, and uh, just be out the listing fees or the difference. Uh, won't be too much. Wouldn't be a bad uh, bad rental at the end of the day. Uh, so that's all I got to say. Uh, again, we thank you for listening to the RPG Backtrack. Uh, and any of you are welcome to do what I just done here. If you've got a game that's on your mind, on your heart, uh, an old game that you want to talk about, especially if it's one that we've just recently spoke about or we're going to talk about, uh, you can feel free to record an MP3 and mail it to me at jcservant at rpgamer.com. And I will be happy to get that onto the show. Um, right on our boards at board.rpgamer.com or rpg just go to rpgamer.com and click on the forum link. Uh, make sure to leave us lots of comments on iTunes. Um, I saw a board post just come in uh, from um, uh, who did that come in from? Let's see here from Poe two 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 two. That's a lot of twos, Poe. Um, and I just want to read this one. I know this one came after the show was recorded, so it's not too late here. But it says, hey, y'all, I realize this is an old thread. I guess he wrote this back on uh, number 79. But I registered for the forum solely to say that I discovered RPG Backtrack two months ago. And I really, really, really enjoy all of them ever since. Uh, I haven't been a regular RPG player for years, but I was hardcore into them throughout my teenage years. And in fact, I was a regular visitor of this site way back when it was Square.net. Anyway, it was such a treat to discover these podcasts and to hear you guys discuss many of my all-time favorite games. Two of my best friends in adulthood happen to worship Final Fantasy VI. Well, now, those are good friends to have because friends only let friends say Final Fantasy VI is the best. Friends don't let friends say Final Fantasy VII is the best. And that's 
from me, by the way, not from him. I'll go back to his letter now. Um, I've made them both listen to RPG Backtrack about Final Fantasy 4 and 6. I look forward to hearing the opinions and humorous barbs of several regular podcast participants each time I listen. In particular, I think JC Superstar, I mean JC Servant, okay, now I'm blushing, and Max Storm uh, were outstanding hosts, always good for heavy doses of informed opinion and a few laughs. Uh, Also, I'm originally from Alabama, and it's Amazing, hilarious to hear Max Storm discuss RPGs with his charming southern drawl. I just wanted to let the crew know how much I enjoyed getting to know you through the podcast over the last couple of months and rekindling my love for RPGs at the same time. Go shizzle. And he has a request for a future episode of Xenogears. I'm surprised we haven't done Xenogears yet, but uh, Minky, Minky will probably write back about the Xenogears. Hey, I'm from the south, too. I can talk in my southern accent as well. I just don't let it come out that often. <laughs> I am from the south, but for some reason people don't consider Florida the south. Go figure that one. Um, but thank you so much, Bo. We really appreciate comments like that and others because uh, really, after all, you guys are the reason we do this. And it's nice to know that our long hours of recording and editing and posting um, are are appreciated. So thank you for your very nice uh, comment so uh, thank you very much for listening guys Uh, I'm going to go ahead and sign off and we will see you all here in just another week or two for another episode of the RPG Backtrack